do a podcast. Yeah. But not whisper the whole time. No, probably not. Okay, good. talk about technical interviews yep and uh and by we i mean uh, matt is gonna gonna drive this one because i think he's probably been in more and and or conducted more so uh i will give my viewpoint for my little experience and uh he can give his big boy experience i think you and i probably both come from the same perspective of not having interviewed at that many jobs like mm. i'm yes in my post uh College days, I have had three jobs. I think I've worked at three companies. Um, okay, I might have. I might actually have yeah. more jobs than you slightly. And I've interviewed at a couple of places, but almost all of those were like the first place I interviewed at mm-hmm. that I, I ended up with. So I had I don't have that much experience on the interviewee side of things, mm-hmm. but I've interviewed a lot of people over the years. Okay. Um. So and and they've all been for technical positions. Always, yeah. Okay. So, but. Well, let's let's table set here. Like, what really is the difference between a job interview and a technical interview? Well, I think a technical interview is a part of a job interview, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a job interview really is both of you. I, I guess a technical interview would be a subset of a job interview okay. in my mind. Is this company a good fit for me? And if I'm the company, is this person a good fit for my company? Right? Like, those are the those are the that's really all you're looking at at the end of the day. You know, I, a quick aside, just about interviews in general. I have bones to pick about interviews in general uh, from the ones I've been in, technical or not, because I feel like either they're not able to or they just don't do a good job of giving me a real indication of whether, A, I want to work for this company, or B, I want to hire the person that is interviewing. And I don't know if the technical aspect makes it harder or easier, but I don't know. In general, interviews are kind of a weird mixed bag. Yeah. I find it pretty easy to interview like a junior engineer Mm -hmm. i can you give me 45 minutes one-on-one with a person i can tell you if if i can work with them if they can work with me if uh, if they solve problems in the right way like i know i know how to interview for that Mm -hmm. any other position is way harder Senior engineer position is such a much more, it's exponentially more difficult to hire for than a junior engineer for me. Why is that? Well, among other things, I don't want to ask them the super basic questions that I would ask a junior engineer, but I have found that not doing that has resulted sometimes in hiring people who didn't know how to do basic software development. Mm -hmm. At a senior level, you make an expectation that a person has certain qualifications, Mm -hmm. and then you just interview them on some of the details and, like, how they work. But that's easy to fake Mm -hmm. as the interviewee if you're smart enough. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at that job. Well, and for a senior level, wouldn't that kind of uh, assume that at that point they've done all those basic grunt things and... They've replaced it with higher level logistics. So if they don't know how to, you know, do a basic, you know, 
sort algorithm like does it really matter because are they going to be doing that on their job where the junior developer yes right more likely and and i i think that goes into like how are you interviewing right like i think most people running technical interviews do a bad job of trying to make it representative of what the job will look like agree my current job actually did a really good job of like they sent a, a take-home assignment and it was not making up it wasn't solving some normal problem but it was something that was like oh i might actually do something like this mm-hmm. in the real world um and then same with the the technical coding question that they asked like live it was it wasn't you know right merge sort or something mm-hmm. it was it was solve this problem that the problem itself not necessarily relevant to my job but it's the kind of thing that I might write. What w- was it? One of those Google style questions, like how many manholes are in New York City, kind of a thing. No, but let's talk about those. Okay, uh, that's that's a great place to start since okay. we've sort of been meandering up till now. Okay, all right. Um, so that is one style of job interview, technical interview that people do. Google and Microsoft are probably the most famous for those specific. Like, how would you move Mount Fuji? I think I actually own that book because uh, I I find those questions interesting Mm -hmm. they're not indicative of a good software developer though right but i think the thinking behind them is that if someone was good at answering those questions they were probably somebody who had good problem solving skills right and so they i imagine the false negatives on those kind of questions for like would this person have been a good fit super high but the false positive is probably pretty low. Mm-hmm. I don't imagine you're hiring a lot of people with the, like, how many piano tuners are there in Manhattan type questions. Uh, if you ask those and they succeed, they're probably going to do a good job. But if they fail, I don't think that that's a good indicator of whether or not they would actually... Because you're not solving that kind of problem right? Uh, in general. It, it's almost less of a technical question and more of a personality question or a... Or a just how do you think? Yeah. Like, w- w- when when given a monumental task, how do you react? Right. And I've tried asking variations of that, of those kind of questions, but simpler, like, all right, when you're solving a jigsaw puzzle, how do you go about tackling it? You know, just, I like... That's a good question. I'm, like I'm literally that. just looking like, do you do the edges and corners first? Do you sort do you by color? Do, do you sort by shape? <laughs> I, like, I am weird with jigsaw puzzles, and I sort by shape. I don't sort by color, because I don't... I don't have a good, uh, I don't distinguish colors very well. But you do the edges first, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. That's one of the shapes. I, 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 I almost thought I had to end this podcast, yeah. man. All right. <laughs> um, and so but I tried asking that a couple of times, and the people just stared at me blankly. And that's the other problem with interviewing, is you have to ask questions that kind of are divorced from any sort of culture or hobby mm-hmm. or anything. They have to be super neutral yeah. And I try to do it so that they don't really need to have any experience with the thing I'm asking them about unless it's extremely relevant to the job, mm-hmm. which is not easy. Like you're uh, interviewing for a jigsaw puzzle designer. Right. I would expect them to have <laughs> I'd expect them to have some 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 knowledge there, right? right? I've worked for two video companies. I would expect you to at least have the basic idea of how a video player behaves Mm -hmm. not even how to write one but you should know what it is Mm -hmm. you've used netflix or youtube or something in your life like i would expect that much but beyond that i don't expect people to have the 
the in-depth like tribal knowledge that you get from just having worked on those things. So that seems to bring up uh, something uh, that you mentioned before we started this episode about the things you look for when you're interviewing someone. Yeah. So bottom line for me, what I'm what I'm interviewing for is I want someone who's smart and teachable. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very pithy and, and simple. Put that on a t-shirt. Yes. I'm smart and teachable. <laughs> uh, but really, that is it, right? Like, I, when I interview someone, I am trying to see how do they think, how do they problem solve, and quite frankly, do they think that they know everything because nobody does and everybody I've ever worked with who thinks they know everything has been a horrible person to work with. Mm-hmm. I don't like working with those people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've actually tried to get people to say I don't know in interviews as, like, a low bar so smart but humble it would be nice yeah but yeah. that 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 to me comes in i don't think uh arrogant people are very teachable yeah. i think humble people are more teachable cuz you have to be will- i told my daughter this you have to be willing to fail in order to succeed mm-hmm. right that's that's my uh, that's a relatively new philosophy in my life that it's i'm also like, a good t-shirt thing yeah mm-hmm. but you have to right you can't expect to just know everything all the time you have to be willing to admit i don't know this so that you can go find out the answer mm-hmm. you know most people do that through google or you know stack overflow or, mm-hmm. or those things and that's fine. stack overflow searches in google yeah either way <laughs> yeah. Uh, google tends to point me to stack overflow yeah right yeah. um and that's fine mm-hmm. you know i don't know how i don't know the answer to that but i know how to find it right. is a great answer to a question on an interview yeah people are terrified to say that though mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. Uh, you have to have a certain level of confidence in your own abilities to interview successfully, I think. And there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I'm good at. I also know what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Uh, ask me database questions. I will do terribly. I am not good at database queries. On the other hand, I once had to write a, a, like a basic key value pair database uh as an interview question, and I thought that was a great interview question. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so smart and teachable. What I, the question, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and spoil this interview question since I don't use it anymore. Um, the question I asked for years, and this was my, like, one question for a junior engineer, but I would ask it for seniors and anybody, was I would teach them a, a, a particular trick, and then I would have them use that idea to solve a problem. So the specific trick is, uh, it's a math trick. If you add up odd numbers in order, like the number of odd numbers you have added up is that number squared. So one squared is one. Mm-hmm. One plus three is four. That's two, two odd numbers. Squared is four, yeah. And that works just ad infinite. Like yeah. it, just, it works forever. Yeah. And uh, when th- this question was actually asked of me in an interview once, and I got the answer uh but i didn't get the job (laughs) um but i really liked it and what they told me was that this was used by apple this particular fact was used by apple to do their rounded corners because in order Hmm. in order to draw a curve you need square roots Mm -hmm. square roots are expensive how do you store the square root so i would have people write a square root function using the trick of the number of odd numbers you add up is that number squared Mm-hmm. So basically they had to take that idea, understand it, reverse it, mm-hmm. and then write some code. It's a trivial problem, quite frankly, but that set of skills is not – not everyone has that. That yeah. ability to rapidly take in new information, understand it, and spit out derived thing from it. Mm-hmm. 
hard. Um, I love that question. I yeah. If I only get one question to ask somebody, it would always be that. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just it's, spoiled it. It's dead now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also, I asked it for like 10 years. I imagine there's enough people that have heard that question now that... Now, now, did you ever have someone answer that question like unsatisfactorily and yet still got the job? Or it was, you always re- kind of required a decent answer to that. The best answer I ever got was completely wrong. He went down this rabbit hole, completely bizarre rabbit hole. And I didn't stop him. I, we absolutely offered this guy a job. We ultimately, he had a conflicting offer and ended up taking that. Uh, but he went down this weird path where he was trying to like find a, a, a big pattern behind it that would like, and I'm like, I taught you the pattern already, mm-hmm. but he understood that, but he just like, for some reason applying it, he, it's a fairly inefficient algorithm that mm-hmm. we use. Like if you, if you had to go up to a really big square root mm-hmm. and it's the floor of the square root technically is what we're computing in this program. But if you had to go up to a really big one, it's not efficient, but I wasn't looking for that. I was just like, write me something and then we can discuss its inefficiencies. But he was trying to make it, a, he's like, all right, I bet there's a pattern here. And he started going down this path with, and like, I watched him try to basically do a mathematical proof. <laughs> uh, but he taught, but he did a great job of talking out loud the whole time. Yeah. Uh, he communicated when I would try to steer him away, he would take what I said mm-hmm. and like do something with it. Not always what I wanted. Um, but I would have hired him in a heartbeat and he got that question wrong. Like he did not come up with an answer. Yeah. My, my, my approach to solving problems always is make it work and then make it work better. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's my theory. Uh, my, that's my motto. Uh, but do you always follow that? I some, do not. Cause it's very easy to fall into the optimization. Yes. As we were talking about with the problem I'm working on right now. Yes. 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 Uh, so yeah, that absolutely. I think you can ask questions that I, I, I don't have a, you must get this question right. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's no right answer to questions. I have an expected answer. I have an expected path. But if someone goes a different way, great. Mm-hmm. And that's true for every question I, I ever ask in an interview. Now, it, it's it's funny that you said because I, I totally agree. And that sounds like a great way to run a technical interview is with these open-ended questions where you're, you're trying to surmise someone's uh, skill yeah. and, and, and thinking ability rather than their you know, uh, expediency at getting a perfectly accurate answer. Right. Because that's, you know, that that's, I mean, well, although that kind of brings up the idea of like, if they can just come up with something really fast, even if they don't show all their work, and even if it's not particularly novel, is that a red flag? Because are those, those people more likely the ones who think they know everything and they do, but they're hard to teach if they don't know it? What I would expect someone to do in that situation, there, there's basically two answers there. I'm so smart that I figured this out on my own mm-hmm. right away. Great. And honestly, this problem is straightforward enough. I expect somebody to just be able to go to the whiteboard and start writing down, you know, a couple of for loops and make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there's a really simple way of just of doing that. The other side is I've heard this question before uh, and I'm going to regurgitate it. Right. Mm. If that's true. And I can tell <laughs> cause people are not good actors. Not admitting that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. If I think that you have heard this problem before and didn't tell me, that's a red flag. I have only had that happen once. I have seen other people say that happened in interviews that I was in with someone. I'm like, no, they genuinely were just smart enough to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And like, we disagreed. 
Um, but yeah, it can be a red flag for some people, but I think a lot of this boils down to experience, right? Yeah. If somebody spits out an answer right away, I question them. I will start like taking apart their answer and be like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what if it's this? Let's yeah. throw a different constraint on it. All right. That uses a lot of memory. Let's do, what if, what if I want you to use no memory, constant space only, <laughs> right? Right. What if, you know, you have to be, as an interviewer, you have to be able to have follow-up questions that can really make somebody talk in a way that lets you understand that they do actually know what they're talking about or not. Right. And so once again, yeah, I agree that all sounds great, but then I think about like my interviewing experience and at least since most of my uh, recent experience has been in the kind of like educational area, uh, I've been on both sides uh, of interviewing and inter or interviewee uh, and the kinds of questions, especially in something that's more bureaucratic, tends to be more templated, where they have to ask everybody the same questions. Yes. And even if, like, the first question bounces off the person and they're like, I don't know, you have to keep asking it because it's just part of the rules. Yeah. And that's annoying. And and and, they're, and they were generally very kind of, like, blasé, what is the syntax for this or what is the you know like uh, oh what's like the default port of like my sql or something like yeah. that and i'm like it, it makes me think of that i think it's a quote by like albert einstein where like don't memorize anything that can be looked up and like that's every time i think about those kinds of interviews like these are not good interviews this yeah. is not going to get anything useful out of a person and to my next point beyond the technical part of the interview there's the can I work with this person and do I want to work with this person or on the other side of the coin, do I want to work work with this company? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so the kinds of questions they ask, like when I was on the interviewing side or the interviewer side and looking at these questions we had to ask these people, I'm like, I, these are not good questions. I don't want, I wouldn't want to answer these. Uh, This is not creating a discussion. This is not telling me anything about the person and how I would work with them. But then, you know, to give it a little credit, as I started off this episode, like, I feel like it's hard to do an interview that accurately surmises whether I want to work with someone because who you are in an interview is not necessarily who you are working together. Yep. And so have you had any experience with, like, any non-standard kind of interview thing where you actually, like, I don't know, I, I feel like, you know, give me a project or give me a task from a project you guys are working on right now and let's see if I can handle it. Yeah. Like... Well, I think what that boils down to is what are you looking for as the person conducting the interview, right? Mm-hmm. I, I interviewed twice with two different teams at my last job, and I did not get offered, nor would I have taken the first job uh, that I interviewed for because they asked me a lot of like really nitpicky, like in C++, what, if, what happens if you do A++++ B? Don't is my answer to that. You should not do that. (laughs) Incidentally, the answer is that it's compiler dependent. Uh, (laughs) Right. Um, Those are terrible interview questions for the kind of thing that I would want. But also, I don't have that kind of memory. And if somebody wants somebody who just knows that stuff, I'm not the right person for that job. Hmm. What I want is somebody who can solve problems, who can work with me. Um, and I want that on both sides, right? So when I am asked a question and they're stupid questions, when I interviewed at Amazon, they were all those like dynamic programming questions. 
those aren't realistically things that you're going to actually encounter in real life. And if they are, those algorithms have already been solved. And you should be smart enough to go say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Let me go look it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the knapsack optimization problem. Let me go look up what the algorithm is for that. I don't right. expect somebody to know quicksort off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, why would you? Mm-hmm. Like you said, don't memorize things. So I do not interview people. I don't care if they know the programming language. I don't care. I know I don't care about any of that stuff. I care that they are able to produce code in some language and that they have a basic understanding of how all that works and then that they're smart enough to solve problems. Now, you also, to go back to what you were saying about how you're looking for someone who you can work with mm-hmm. uh, more so than someone who knows all these nitpicky things. Like, is, is, it, is it of prime importance that this person can work with other people versus someone who's just really good and you can just give them a task and then they go off by themselves and do it. Is that like not even like useful to look for anymore? It depends on the team. It depends on the company. Uh, I've been the lead of teams for most of my career. I've been a technical lead uh, or equivalent. And in those jobs, I am usually trying to like fill certain roles. And there is absolutely a place for the, I, wolf. <laughs> I will put my head down and yeah. get this thing done, but I'm not necessarily the most brilliant problem solver. Great. There's absolutely the, there's places that love the rock star thing. I do not personally like that. Mm-hmm. I like collaborative team players. I personally like hiring people, this is egocentric, but like me, mm-hmm. who are more of a jack of all trades than a, um, than a master of one. Mm-hmm. But there are places where you need that deep technical knowledge of something. I do believe like hiring somebody who's a database expert, if you have to deal with a lot of data, is a good idea. You know, I also think only hiring those people is going to is going to thwart your efforts to have a well-rounded team. Mm -hmm. I and that that and that's what it is for me. I like a well-rounded team. That does mean that sometimes I'm going to have a rock star and a code monkey basically, mm-hmm. right? And on the same team, and that's fine. They're going to get assigned different types of tasks because mm-hmm. there's stuff I do not like to do and there's stuff that other people don't mind. Some people are great, like, yeah, give me this thing. I'm going to go read through this API and and I will you know, go through this very rote process of churning out this thing and they're great at that and I will write code to automate that because I cannot do that. I will go nuts. Mm-hmm. And that's different, right? And so it, it really is team dependent. Yeah. For me personally, I'm always looking for people that I can work with. And I want people who uh, are not obnoxious <laughs> and who will, but also not complete pushovers. Like yeah. there's a balance there. Like I want somebody who has opinions, but will also listen to other people's opinions. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one, one last thing that I think uh, would be interesting uh, that maybe you've been in uh, you've had more experience with than me is that most of my interviews that I've been in are generally not even like, like a phone pre-screening sometimes, but usually just a, I apply and then I hear from them and they say, can you interview on day X? And it's usually a few people like a panel. And then I either never hear from them again, or I hear from them again and they say, we're interested in you. But I've heard at bigger companies like Google and Amazon and stuff like that, that they have these like, even a friend of ours who just uh, got a new job recently went through, you know, like months of 
interviewing with different people on different days for many hours that sounds like ugh, like a Herculean task. Like, do you have experience with that kind of interviewing? And is that even useful? I walked out of an interview once because it went longer than I had it planned. It was... <laughs> How long I, did it go? I had expected like an hour or two, yeah. like every other interview I'd ever been on. And it was an all day thing. They didn't tell me that up front. And I literally like about four hours and I'd already gotten a job interview for another job. Uh, okay. And I was just... In the time it took me to book this interview and actually go, I'd interviewed somewhere else and gotten hired. And I'd ex- I hadn't accepted. I was waiting to see. Yeah. But I ended up like four hours in. I, I had realized, I'm like, this is not the company for me. Yeah. And I told them, I'm like, I don't want to waste anyone else's time. I can tell that this is not a good fit. Yeah. I, I've got this other offer that I'm going to take over this. And in large part, it was because it was this huge ordeal. Again, myself, I could interview somebody for an hour and that's enough. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to fire people. In certain states, it's harder than others. Yeah. So um, it's worth it to go through this process. It can be. Process. It depends on the company. I think there's a huge downside to the month-long one or, like, really long. Because I had a friend want to change jobs, and my and a different friend of, of ours and myself worked at two different companies. She gave both of us our resumes, her, her resume. We both submitted it to HR. She didn't even hear from my company until she'd already been hired and started working at the other company. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's an absolute danger of a long process. Yeah. Um, I think quick turnaround is really important. But also, I think multiple levels. I think Amazon had multiple uh, rounds of interview. Uh, my current job did. Uh, another relatively small company that I interviewed at also had the same number. Like, And they were a much, much smaller company. But they had about the same number of, of rounds of interviews. Hmm. And a lot of that was they were testing different parts of my of of how I think, right? There might be like system design and coding and meeting with managers and like there's different things. So it again depends and that's for a senior level it makes sense. For a junior, absolutely not. If, yeah. If you need to interview a junior engineer for more than an hour, you're doing something wrong. Well and also, you know, just to say what you know, we're we're in California, so we're kind of beholden to California employment laws and you said that it's much higher it's much harder to fire someone, so you you wanna put, you know, more effort into the front side of it because you don't want to have to deal with yeah. making a mistake. So I guess Well California's an at will employer, so honestly it's it's not that like if they want to, they just get rid of you. But it also means that they now have to fill your role with yes. someone. And so. that's expensive, right? Yes. Hi- the process of hiring somebody is expensive, so there's a balancing act that yeah. has to be done there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, one last thing before we end. Uh, what is the favorite, your favorite question you were ever oh, man. asked in an interview? All right. You got to go first because I don't think I've had good questions. All right. My, mine's a BS, a BS answer, but it's, it's genuine. The favorite interview question I ever got asked was what my favorite interview question, interview question was. I thought that was brilliant. Meta. I was like, oh, that's really smart because they made me, and I, I give them that square root problem. But they made me give them the problem, explain it to them as if I was interviewing, mm-hmm. and then answer it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had like I basically interviewed myself in there, which I thought was a really clever way of interviewing for that level of seniority, um, because you know they were looking for someone who could lead a team right. and hire and be part of the hiring process. So that was a genuinely good question, and. What a great way to get new interview questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can't think of a great interview question, but I will just go with like the stereotypical worst one that I think a lot of people say, which is, what is your greatest weakness? 
And I'm curious what your answer to something like that is. I mean, I know you've never asked that question, but... I've been asked it. Right. It's been asked, and it's it's one of those things where it feels like a trick question. It feels like a trap. And so some people, you know, just kind of ignore it, or they give a flippant answer. Um, yeah, I'm too handsome. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, the answer I used to give for that, because it would make me panic, and I didn't know a better one, was that I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't wrong, but I found... Over the years, uh, thinking about it, what an ans- a better answer was for that is I struggle to start solving problems sometimes because I'm looking for the perfect answer. Mm-hmm. That pre-optimization yes. issue. And yeah. so that, I think, shows some self-awareness to actually mm-hmm. say that. Whereas you say, I'm a perfectionist. That you're not actually saying anything bad there. The thing I'm saying genuinely gets in my way. Right. But I'm aware of it and it's like knowing that, I think... Is, is there a better point. way to ask that question to get a similar thought going? Or is it just not a great question? It's not a great question. I think if you wanted an equivalent type of thing, something that you might say is, as your manager, what kinds of things are you going to need from me in order to be successful? Mm-hmm. And then the... Lots of money. <laughs> yeah. The best people... <laughs> Or the best answers to that would be somebody who's very self-aware. Like, for me, the best answer would be somebody who's very self-aware and recognizes their faults. And, like, these are things that I struggle with that I'm always working on. So somebody that can help me with this, great. That's what I would want. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's like, nothing. I'm totally independent. I don't believe that for a second. Mm-hmm. And also you may not want someone who yeah. is on your team like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that's a good uh, good place to stop. Yeah. So, Mike, where do you see yourself in five years? <sighs> Hopefully still doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's Hacking the Grepson for uh, for this episode and technical interviews. Um, we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. Mm-hmm.